Welcome to the farm. Today we're talking You've Married the Farmer, Now What? with our guest Nat. Welcome Nat. Hi, thank you for having me. So Nat, can you start by telling me a little bit about yourself, your family and your background? How did someone from London end up being here in Western Australia and married to a farmer? Well, um, yeah, I'm that. I'm actually a bit of the cliche over here. Um, I'm the backpacker who met a farmer in the pub where they were working um, on the bar. So that that actually is quite a common story over here. I don't know about over east, but it's quite common in WA. Um, yeah, so I came over about almost ten years ago now, um, with the intention of staying one year. Just wanted to live in a different place for a while because I'd always lived and worked in London. Um, So I thought, hey, I'm going to take a little bit of a career break, go over to um, Australia and um, see what that's all about. I had been here twice before. We came when we were kids and uh, my dad had the intention of moving over, but he just never did. Um, And then my sister moved here. So I'd been here to see her as well. So um, it wasn't uncommon for us to travel here but no one had been to WA so I thought well I'll go and see what that side of the country is all about. Uh, Anyway so yes came over for what was going to be a six-week job in the Broomhill pub in which is a little town in the great southern of WA Um, and then I met my um, I met my partner there on the day that I got there and um, we kind of just became really good friends. Uh, and then a cu- couple of months later, a couple of months into the job, I ended up staying a bit longer because I, I was having so much fun, you know. Um, something different, lots of uh, nights out drinking in the shearing sheds and things like that. And, uh, yeah, we just um, hit it off and decided I would stay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but I used to... Um, my career previously was as an assistant director in film and TV. Uh, so I did that in London and I did that a little bit in um, WA. When I was decided I was going to stay, I dropped the barmaid gig and got some film gigs. Uh, and, yeah, did that for a little while uh, until I had my son and then it wasn't really uh, – it doesn't really fit with bringing up farm kids and then going off for two or three months at a time to make movies. I wish it had fit, but it didn't. Um, So, yeah, so we, my partner is a farm worker. um, So we have lived now over the last 10 years, we've lived on, I think, five or six farms around WA. Um, We, he, we, we work on both sheep and cropping farms. His love, his passion is um, sheep farming. His passion is being a stockman, and he's very, very good at that. But he he does obviously do the other stuff as well. Um, so yeah, so we so we move around every couple of years. Um, but the, currently we're on um, a, a crop, mainly cropping with just um, a small number of sheep in the WA wheat belt. Um, I we have two kids. Bo is seven, and Fleur is two. 
Um, so yeah, that's us. And I'm- Let's take a break in today's episode to talk about today's supportive link, Thermomix. I have one. Many of the rural mums who I have interviewed on this channel have one and they all agree it has made their life so much easier being here on the farm and raising a family. Or healthy meals from whatever's in the fridge. Even that. It's being part of a community. It's being connected to experts. It's saving time. It's stepping up. It's creating meal from scratch. It's having your family look at you and say, Wow. By letting you be the cook you've always wanted to be. At the flick of a smart switch. We don't cook. We Now back to today's episode. And I oh and I do I do work again now. <laughs> I'm an events manager for a local shire. Um and I also teach dance. So I did that down south. I'm just setting that up now because we've only been here about five months. So I'm just setting that up again now to start next year for the local kids here. So, yeah, that's kind of us in a long-winded nutshell. Well, with the moving around every few years, particularly over the last five places, you would be a great person to ask about community. How do you set up your community in each place and how do you find um, the feeling of belonging in each that's a great question. Um, some places it has been easy and some places it, it has been quite difficult. Some places have really just generally have a tone of they don't love outsiders. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really matter what you do or who you are. You're just never going to fit. And that's, I mean, that's fine. That's often, you know, they're just so tight-knit they don't need anyone else and that's that's okay with us. Um, we know that we're not going to be there forever. Um, but I found 90% of the time um, that people are really excited to have new people in town um, and are really welcoming um, and are really excited, especially when uh, the partners or wives come with a new skill that doesn't exist in town. Uh, So the dance teaching has enabled me to really meet people who have similar love for arts um, and also the kids who don't get access to those things. And then obviously I'm, I'm friends with, I get to become friends with their parents, mainly their mums. Um, but um, I have made some really close friends who, uh, one of my best friends who luckily isn't too far from us here, I met her four farms ago. We, we've stayed in, co- in contact that whole time, years and years, and our kids were really little together um, and then have, didn't spend time together uh, when we moved around and away, but we've made sure that every year we have a big get-together over a few days where we go and um, stay with them. So they, the kids have always had that connection too, make sure that that, um, that is kept quite solid. The reason we stayed friends was because we both really loved theatre and the arts and we were in the local Amdram group together and stuff. So it was a a joint love of something that not that many people seem to love in the country. (laughs) I mean, they do, but it's not something that's as prevalent as a sport, let's say. So, um, yeah, so that's that. That's where I've kind of found lots of friends is through love of arts and, um, yeah, just being open to um, 
going to anything you're invited to if you can like the kids are it's always helpful when you've got kids to meet people because you kind of can use the kids to meet people everyone I've met has been through play group or something you know and then you establish a you establish a friendship and find links to stay friends after like you but it's always that initial thing seems to have been play group initially and then now school and also um in lots of places anyone who's not from here anyone who's a foreigner so we kind of can stick together and laugh about the things that are not typically West Australian like being the outsider so um that's been a good way to keep uh, or to make friends um yeah but I'd say over the years people who I have kept in contact with who I would consider really great friends there are only a few and other people have I've had great might have had great friendships with while we're there but then when you leave town they don't last as long that was something that I it didn't shock me but something that when we moved away from um one of the towns um I was like oh I thought we would stay friends that's a shame but I mean I don't take it to heart that it especially being a worker's worker's wife there's lots of us coming in and out so it, it would be very hard. People have to maintain the friendships that have been there for a long time, and I understand that. That's fine. In those communities that weren't as welcoming, how did you make sure you didn't feel isolated or you didn't let, um, you know, that that black dog sometimes creep in a little bit? Um, the, the hardest one was the first one we lived in, um, and I think it was a combination of being new uh, being away from family and friends, feeling isolated, not having lived in a small town before, um, learning very quickly about tall poppy syndrome um, in small towns. To cope with it, it was hard. It was quite hard. Um, to be honest, it was one of the reasons in the end we moved somewhere else. Um, so, but at the same time, we are in a privileged we're in a privileged position where if somewhere doesn't fit us, because we don't own, we don't live where we own a property, we can pick up and leave any time we like. If it, I mean, obviously it's getting harder as the, you know, goes in school and stuff like that. But generally we can say, no, stuff it, we're off. <laughs> so it's not all bad. You know, we can, um, we can pick and choose. Really just a case of, uh, we had to just keep our head down to hit our goal um, and then decided to move on. I mean, I come from a place where even though there's nine million people in a in a small area, um, I was used to that. So it's it was very different coming here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We are privileged. We can just move on if it doesn't suit us. So I guess you sometimes you just have to let it go. Not, you're not going to be able to a cup of tea. And did that come with practice, letting it go? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm really good at it now. I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> right. But, yeah, at first it was it was hard. But, yeah, it's just something I think you have to learn. It was – I don't even think you could give that advice to someone. You, I mean, I can you could say it, but it doesn't come without practising it yourself, you know, like really trying to build that wall um, around – your heart yeah that that you just don't let the negative in um but that's a hard job to do but then 
you know, and I don't think everyone has the skills for that. And that's not, uh, that's not to be rude to other people. It's just, I mean, I've had a lot of therapies, so I've learned a lot of skills to do it. Um, but it's not like my partner still, um, even though he's from a small town in WA, like he, all of his friends that he grew up with all live something like everywhere else all over WA. So there isn't one place that he kind of belongs to either. So, you know, he struggles with not being able to make friends and him working all the time. It's hard to do if you don't play sport. Um, so yeah, he struggles with it probably more than I do now. So. Mm. Yeah. And you said coming from London to country, Western Australia, tell me about some of the most extreme differences and how you were able to cope with those. One of the first things I found really funny was um, working in the pub was that people would like pull up outside, wouldn't even walk through the door and the the other barmaids and like the owner when I got there would know what they're drinking and just put it on the bar and like, and then they had, everyone had their own stubbies. Everyone was, everyone knew each other's names. They, people didn't even like physically pay for their beer. They all just put like their pile of money in front of their normal seat. And then they would like, ta- and then the barman would just go and take the money. Like if you did that in London, people were like, why, why are you touching my money? Like it, it was, it was just so weird that everyone just knew everything about each other as well. Um, but yeah, I think that that just used to make me laugh. I used to think, oh my god, like these people would never survive in a city. They just wouldn't survive. Which is, you know, it's it's all different. To be honest, I'm not sure yeah. there's anything that's the same. Um, it's all different. But I I actually have really embraced it, and I love the differences. And I also love that my my mum in particular, and my dad does it as well. But like my mum in particular, her the way she thinks and acts around things has changed, even though she's still in London and I, um, and I live here, like and she's taken on like an Aussie attitude towards things. Just like, oh, that, you know, oh, that's all right. Don't worry about that. Yeah. No dramas. Like <laughs> you just become more chilled through association, which I really love. Yeah. Funnily enough, actually, she, when my, my partner has a huge beard and when it was probably for a, a, at least a year. It could be, it probably was like two years. She could not understand a word he said. <laughs> she still struggles, but he, because he mumbles as well, and he's got a really thick WA accent. So, I mean, a lot of people in just WA don't understand him. So she was going to have no chance, but <laughs> she has learned over the years to understand. And now she understands him fine. But like for, for two years, she was like, what did he say? What did he say? Like, so I think like her really trying a tra- trying to train her ear to understand her son-in-law has totally changed her accent as well, which is really funny. <laughs> so what do you think was the biggest hurdle moving out into the Western Australia countryside? Oh, a lot. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't really have an understanding of farming in any way, shape or form. I thought I did. Like, yeah. because... I grew up, obviously I grew up in the city, so you wouldn't necessarily expect to have an understanding, but my, my family did take us like farms for holidays and things like that. But, but Australian farming and British farming are, are two different beasts. Um, and I didn't, I didn't even understand the words they were saying. Like I yeah. didn't know like what a header was. I did. I was like, what, what are all these words? Like what, all of it was just completely 
I didn't get it. I didn't get how it related to our food. I, like, obviously, I know where animals come from and things like that, but like I just I'd never really connected all the dots properly until you see it. You're like, oh, oh, okay, that's how it happens. Like you don't really yeah. understand it. So you have to go through the whole year at least to understand each thing that happens and when it happens and why it happens. So I found yeah. that a big hurdle because while I was learning all those things, I was also applying for a visa and then um, I got pregnant and there's, there was always other things going on as well. And I just was, I, I probably spent about the first two years here completely confused about everything that was happening. And I was just like, well, I'm just going to ride the wave and see what happens. And it's turned out fine. But um, I would say as well, the um, biggest hurdle was isolation but it wasn't necessarily loneliness because you can be lonely in the city and I had felt lonely in London many times um you know I lived in a share flat with two other girls but I worked the longest hours so I'd come home and they've had their night out or they've had their meal together and so like, I did feel loneliness at times there I didn't really feel loneliness um on the farm just I was just very aware of how far away everyone else was and more of a logistical sense than an um, emotional sense. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, the biggest, the actual biggest hurdle, which I almost forget happened now sometimes because it's so long ago, um, was that when my son was born, my mental health was diabolical. It was absolutely awful. Um, I ended up having postpartum psychosis, um, which probably actually was better to be on a farm with that which sounds a bit crazy but um just because of what can happen with that um I think if you're in like a really highly populated area just all the busyness would make things worse just my opinion that might not be true but um do you mind sharing a little bit more about that no no I'm happy to do that I it's it he's seven now so I think the longer the the time the easier it is to talk about um yeah so uh we moved um north we were down south we moved north not too far from where we are now uh when I was about six or seven months pregnant so I didn't know anybody and I didn't meet anybody until he was a bit older so um I didn't I literally had zero people around Uh, when he was little I don't know if People even see, I think people don't even know what that is psychosis, but like postpartum psychosis. So, anyway, I, I, I was getting like the, I got the normal tests for like the depression and stuff, and they were like, Yeah, you're depressed. So, um, they, they put me on antidepressants because um, I just felt really low, as lots of mums do, new mums particularly. And the problem is, I've since been diagnosed with bipolar because they put me on antidepressants, that changed my brain my brain slipped into psychosis so I would um I saw bugs all over our house and I was terrified I mean there are there are bugs in farmhouses but certainly not to the level I was seeing them I was terrified that my son was going to be taken away um and uh there was lots of things lots of little things that people would just go oh that's a bit weird but then I didn't have anyone that was close enough that was watching the whole time going something very wrong. They just yeah. just thought, oh, she's a bit sleep deprived or like, cause they just didn't know me. Um, 
so it went on for a really long time and um we my son was born in July so you get looked after quite well the first few months or you know few weeks few months and then it kind of drops off and then we were into harvest in like October time so um I didn't see my partner very much either so I was like really on my own thinking all these weird crazy thoughts um I only went out once a week to play group and was like hi like Stepford wife trying to hold it all together because I'm meeting these new people and I don't want them to think I'm weird um they did think I was weird anyway <laughs> I just didn't think they did my friend one of my like my best friend was there so she was like yeah we thought you were nuts but like we just thought that's who you were so they didn't realize anything was wrong because they had no reference before um so yeah it was it was pretty bad but then I one day decided I just had this moment of clarity and I was like, I don't think any of this is right. Like everything people were saying to me, like it's because you're, you feel bad because you're isolated. You feel bad because you've just had a baby. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I, th- I just think it's wrong. I had a moment of clarity and I phoned the um, Wheat Belt Mental Health line and they um, got me to see a psychiatrist and he was just like, yep, <laughs> like this is not right. Um, anyway, I, it, it, it went on for quite a long time and lots of I had to have sessions to be diagnosed with all sorts of things. And um, uh, and also, like, they have to keep a good eye on you because sometimes people with that those diagnoses do terrible things, but it's, you know, it's not them. It's their illness. Um, so, yeah, I was watched quite a lot. Um, my son was... Uh, taken and lived with my um, my partner's uh, brother and his wife for a little bit, um, just for like a couple of weeks to give me a break. But obviously that felt like, oh, well, I thought you were going to take him away, and you did. So, yeah, so it was like the, them were saying to me, those thoughts aren't true. I was like, well, they are because you did it, you know. Like, And so it was hard to get back onto normal level of thinking. But I don't. Like, I totally understand why they did that, and that was fine. A tough few years, um, I got diagnosed with bipolar, and they said that ha- that happens fairly often. I mean, I don't know the stats, but fairly often someone would have psychosis, and then they get a, a further diagnosis of something that was kind of either laying dormant or was kick-started by the hormones or whatever. But um, it was probably something that I'd actually had my whole 20s, but because of the nature of my work and the way my life was, no one had really picked up on it. So it was having my son that really brought it to light. Yeah, um, I spent then a few years in therapy. I got a job because the routine of the job was good for getting your brain, rewiring your brain back into normal life. And my son went to daycare. Um, and, yeah, he. we've just been working on getting everything well um from then and now I'm probably the most um uh the most stable in my household because I've got a few couple of wild kids and a you know a bit of a bushman to look after now so yeah I mean it's all worked out in the end um but yeah a bit of a tough time at the time yeah and how did you feel about going back to work and your son being at daycare um, I had mixed feelings. First of all, I was like, yes, get me out of the house. Um, and then obviously it's other people, you miss moments. Um, yeah. Other people are seeing moments that, you know, you, you 
especially for your first kid, you end up writing them down in a book and making all this stuff. For the second kid, you're like, oh, yeah, great, it's in it. <laughs> things. I'm the second child as well, and I used to moan at my mum, where's my photo album? She's like, there's one photo. Sometimes it upset me, and sometimes I was like, well, I don't have the family, so I might as well kind of also rely on people that are getting paid. But it's still country town childcare, so and I'm sure it's the same in the city. My my sister lives in Sydney, and her daughter goes to childcare, and the um the people that work in childcare actually like they actually care they're not it's not always just that they get paid like these these the women that looked after him are absolutely amazing and he still has attributes that he definitely got from them yeah so I'm really grateful for the help that I had during that time and was that the the picture that you had you know originally seen yourself fitting into um you know once you and your partner were were sort of settled down and moving from farm to farm did you sort of have an image of what you thought your life would be like um in comparison to what it is or you were still happy to ride that wave I learned very quickly with my partner that I mean uh, when we were when we were there in that situation I'd gone back to work full time I didn't know that we would be going to be moving farms I thought, I was like, oh, he'll probably, like, Bo will go to the local high school. And I thought we'd be there. I just presumed we would just live there forever. He did that job for three years and he'd really come to the end of, he want, he didn't want to be there anymore. Being a farmhand, but having 20 years experience, there's only so much, like, if, if it's a family farm and it's only you and the owner, there's nowhere you can go. There's no, you know, so after three years, Usually he's he's got the most out of the job he can. Um, and we don't want to do corporate farming, but that would be the only place then he could become manager. So it's tricky because unless we found someone that we absolutely loved, we would we know we're not staying forever. I just don't know how long, so I have to be ready to, to go. I can tell, though, I can, like now we're on like the sick farm, I think. I can tell when it's coming because of yeah. the way he is. Um, but yeah, so after the first, after we left the first one, I actually stayed in the job because we just moved to like we were we were living an hour away this way, and then we just went an hour away this way. So it, I could still keep that job. I said to him, and, I, and funnily enough, I'm back in that job now that we've come back. So I said to him, we just need to be going on a circle around this job because I really like this job. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean it's it's hard, but I did learn over the years. I've learned that I have to uh just jump in and try I did I, like if I see an opportunity that I want to do just jump in and do it straight away because we might not be here next year to do it or you know like I have to just take those opportunities for myself because if I'm just waiting for him to make a choice of where we're going to live forever it, that it's just never going to come because yeah. that's not who he is <laughs> so if you had a friend moving over from London or even from somewhere else in Australia into rural life what would your top tip tricks and hacks be it depends on what so if they were doing it like me as a workers partner wife situation yeah I would say um my absolute top tip was be very definite and strong about what you want for your family and what you will and won't accept because Mm -hmm. I at the start I went along with things that I would absolutely not go along with now like you're talking contract wise um yes and also like house wise 
Mm-hmm. I'm really, I am very grateful that we get house with his job, really am. But it is a, when you have accommodation with your job, the rules are meant to be the same as if you're renting. So like the standards and things like that. And I, and I know some people renting have terrible standards. They're living in situations with terrible standards. But um, I, I mean, we've lived in houses where like the ceiling was clearly falling down and they were like, we promise we'll do it. And then like six months later, the ceiling actually falls down and nearly falls on my son. And like yeah. stuff like that happened. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not, except, I'm not saying has to be done absolutely straight away, but if we move into a house and I see something that there isn't um, acceptable, then I'll say like, hey, what can we do about this? Or have you got a plan for this? And, you know, just be vocal about it. Not absolutely. I w- we would never ask for anything that is just not base, just basic, you know, like basic livability. Um, Making so, something safe. Well, yeah, exactly. The sa- exactly. So safe. Let's ha- let's start with safe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, we'd be clear about that. Um, we'd be clear about the the fact that um, we like being on a family farm. We do want to go out so the kids can see how things work on a farm. But we we I understand that there are insurance reasons and there are, you know all these other things why we have to stick to certain rules and we will always do that. But just to be clear, what we we want and expect and. I used to just go along with anything and then it meant that we ended up in arguments with people. So now I'm very clear about what I want um, when we have that first meeting and it's made relationships much better and easier to manage as we go along with the job because people know exactly what we expect and we know what they expect and it just works out much better. So I would just say uh, that would be my advice. Have a list of what you want um, and stick to it as, and be be fair about it, but stick to it. And, um, you know, even if it's things like things need doing, I'll say, look, is there some way that we can help move that along? Or, you know, happy to do that. Um, but, yeah, just be strong about what you want and stick to those, stick to, stick to that for your family. Well, managing expectations is always easier than managing people. So if they're set up mm. upright to start with, that does always make that transition and, and working time easier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they were some really good tips, tricks and hacks. Did you have any other advice that you would share to other? I would say in general, which probably works just for in relationship wise, know where your strengths are and know where their strengths are. And usually those are in different places. So um, stick to those. Don't try and manage the bits that you're no good at. Let the person who's good at manage that. Um, but farm wise, I think for new people, you can't be too rigid. Like on a on a farm, you've even though it's not your farm, it still has to come first in in a lot of ways. Not obviously with your kids and health and stuff like that, but it does have to come quite high up the list. Let's say <laughs> probably shouldn't say first, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it has to come quite high up the list. So we do, you do have to just adapt um, to what is coming up um, and just go with the flow a little bit. Just, I mean, the kids just seem to know they're farm kids born and bred, so um, they are probably more aware of it than me, to be honest. <laughs> they probably keep me in check. Um, 
So safety on the farm, especially if you're moving from farm to farm, are there some necessities that you put in place or that you ask to be put in place for the safety of yourself, your husband, your kids, or anything that you think you might do automatically and naturally that you may have picked up that are worth sharing? Uh, when you move into a worker's house, um, you need to check the shed because most people will store extra stuff in the shed and my kids will straight away pull that out. So I would say the first thing would be, yeah, check your surroundings, uh, check that everything's safe. Um, we try to uh, bait train our kids and dog. I'm not sure how successful I've been. I mean, I'm, they're all alive, so <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, because they're, because of mice and things like that, there's always going to be baits around and other other um, things. Uh, there's going to be, there could be baits around. And um, we, I do try and tell them not to just go um, drinking from any old puddle because of all sorts of, chemicals, oil. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just constantly coming up with different ones as they do different things, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but we do always, probably one of the first years I was here with my son, I started doing uh, packing a fire bag every October um, because you learn really quickly in the country that, the, I mean, in, the, in London, obviously, if there's a fire, you find the fire brigade and they do it, it's their job. But it doesn't really happen that way in the country um so yeah just I always packed up a fire bag and we we I make a big deal of it with my kids I mean my son in particular because he's seven and then he packs some of his stuff and he's done it at school as well they've made fire bags at school and packed them um and then have a plan um and we haven't actually done it in this house yet cause we this is our first harvest here but um we do in every other house we've done like a fire evacuation plan um where we've practiced it and like I've told him to get out because a lot of the houses we're in they a lot of farmhouses here anyway in WA have like lots of entrance and exits yeah um so there's way, different ways to get out and um so we do that I think that's really important because that's something that uh, I've got used to but it does make me nervous because I didn't grow up in this way with with fire and stuff so it's something that I really try and keep on top of um but other safety-wise, obviously trying to get them to wear helmets on things and it's hard to because they do see lots of farmers not wearing helmets and things. So it is it is hard. But, um, yeah, try and, um, try and just give them those kind of – they seem like really basic rules, don't they, to anyone else would seem really basic. But it's really hard when other people on the farm are not following those rules. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, especially as we move to lots of different farms and they have – different ideas about safety in different places. So we just try and stick to those rules. And 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 just that if they go on the farm with dad, they dad just they have to follow what dad says. It's not not every farm is the same. So yeah. Yeah. And going back to your fire bag, what are the top things that are in every fire bag? Um so um I put a some like a cereal bar or snacks, some some kind of snack. Um but I put them in um, like a Tupperware box or something so that um, if we get mice, they don't get eaten. Yeah. Um, mice are like, I've got a fear of mice from my mum. 
um, it's an inherited fear, and they, so they're my biggest fear in the house. They're my biggest thing. Um, thing that I have to overcome is the mice in every house we go in. Um, so yeah, so um, cereal bars or some sort of snack that's like a dried snack that la- that will last all summer. Yeah. Um, and then a set of clothes for everybody. Um, water. Uh, a set of clothes. Um, if we ended up in a um. A, you know, a communal hall somewhere if there was a fire going through town or whatever. Um, but a set of clothes that can also just be used as pajamas, so like shorts and a t-shirt kind of thing, uh, yeah. and a and a small towel so that if we need to wash. And then obviously, like I do, put toothbrush and toothpaste and stuff. A brand new set of everything of that stuff. Um, I obviously don't try. I don't want it to be too heavy because I have to. It has to be something that I can carry and run with and carry my toddler she yeah. won't run fast enough if we had to run which would obviously be very unlikely because we just get in the car but just in case you never just know yeah yeah so. scenario to have gone over and a great mm. pack to have I think everyone should have one of those because they can be quite versatile for you mm. know floods as well if the area you're in is prone to floods mm. um you just never know when you need that go bag yeah that's it well, Nat, that probably brings us to the end of my official questions. Was there anything else that you wanted to add to anyone else listening to the podcast and watching the YouTube videos? I know that you follow along with us on Instagram and on YouTube. So is there anything else that you would add to those who are tuning in that you would find interesting or that um, has really helped you along the way your, of your journey? Um, I would say when you're moving to a new place, um, the thing that you'll hear the most is people saying, um, oh, you'll meet loads of people if you do sport. Um, If sport's not your thing, don't feel you have to do the sport. I would say there are, you will find your people. There are people everywhere, everywhere in, in country, WA of country Australia who like the same things as you. You just might take a little bit longer to find them. So, um, just do the things you like to do and you'll find your community. Um, and also, if you have a skill, even if you're not an expert at it, um, offer it to the community because it could be something that they really have been looking for and just haven't ever had in the community. Um, and it's a great way of becoming part of the community, To like I did with the dance um, classes and um yeah, offering offering what you have because everyone's got something unique that they can share um, and rural communities really love that because they love having different skills come into the community. So, yeah, that's all I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, thank you very much for coming on. You've married a farmer. Now what? Everyone who's tuning in from home, I hope that you've really enjoyed today's interview. I know I have. Thank you, Nat, for coming on. If you'd like to hear more stories, tips, tricks and hacks just like the ones that Nat has shared today, then please like and subscribe to the channel. And until next time, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you.